You're listening to The Creative Production Lab. The Creative Production Lab is an audio podcast produced by the University of Nebraska at Omaha's Chris Library. The Creative Production Lab is aimed at the University of Nebraska at Omaha's students, staff, and faculty of our academic community. But all projects, hints, tips, and otherwise any information here is applicable to anyone interested in any creative activity or project we may be engaged in. For more information, go to library.uinomaha.edu. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Creative Production Lab. This week, we're going to continue on the track that we started with the uh, the working artist talk from last week, where we had an outline of a whole lot of technical skills and kind of history that we just sidestepped in favor of talking about how to make some money. So uh, we're going to get right in on that. But first, going to get introduced everybody. So Shelby and Drew are here with us. And we're going to have some other folks, hopefully Tiana come in at some point. Tell me about what you are watching, playing, and being inspired by right now, and then we'll keep on going from there. Okay, um, I'm Shelby, and I, hmm, I'm in my kind of doing my senior thesis project right now, so I don't have a whole lot of time to watch things. But I just watched last night Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and the motion graphics in that movie, and the way that they uh kind of mashed this real life cinematic world with comic book video game fighter aesthetic is really cool that was something that i found to be really interesting um and then a game that i'm playing pretty regularly is valorant and that has a pretty cool uh first person shooter interface so yeah valorant is like the the like d dust um sort of not a not a MOBA, but it's like a first person shooter as yeah. competitive, like um right, shit. small teams kind Sweet. of thing. Um, you know, you're really relying on on teamwork and stuff in that game. Um, it's nothing like, you know, your typical team death matches where there's forty players, you know, it's very isolated um in the way that, you know, people have to interact with each other. So it's pretty fun. Dig it. Sweet. So Drew, what are you playing right now or what are you watching? I'd say uh, for Valorant, for the best way I found to describe it is imagine if like the aesthetic and flow of Fortnite had a love child with Counter-Strike. Yep. Okay. That just sold me. That's pretty accurate. And it's free. Yeah. It's a free to play game. Which was it made by the same development company that did Fortnite or is it a different company? I can't know. I'm pretty sure it's a different company because wasn't Fortnite, uh, that's Fortnite epic. was epic. Yeah. Yeah. No, this oh, is, Fortnite um, was epic. That's right. Because of all the issues with battle royales and a lot of them being built on the uh, uh, Unreal Engine and then Epic making a literal battle royale with their Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Valorant? Va- Valorant is from Riot Games, the yeah, uh, League of Legends Riot. folks. Oh, League of Legends people. That's right. That was their project. Okay. okay. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you if you want to accrue, it's like yeah, me because I know people have complained about the mechanics of that's that's my association with Valorant. Uh, but you cannot like fault uh Riot Games for the character design in any way. No. No. Yeah. And I will say, you know, people may hear uh the same dev company that did League of Legends and think 
oh god like sweaty to the point of caustically destroying an entire community uh it is a pretty sweaty shooter but i from what i've seen the community doesn't seem to be nearly as toxic as the league community can be at times awesome i've definitely yeah i've definitely i definitely could agree with that there's a lot of a lot of support to new people that are playing that game um i feel i feel comfortable learning how to play that game i feel comfortable as someone new playing it there so yeah awesome uh drew so are you playing valorant right now in any way drew are you are you doing anything else too sweaty for me (laughs) uh i got poo internet so it's hard to play sweaty shooters uh because uh poo internet Uh, just adds too much of a handicap that that i can't overcome through ability bad bad internet speeds in the united Uh, states no way who would have thought Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. and, you so, know, it's, it's, it's not really been, been my cup of tea. Um, I've just seen a couple streams. This, the of storytelling looked like it was a little bit to be desired. Sometimes they break um, the rules of their own. What world. I have been uh, up like to, so by the way, you know, they break regular human fairly liberally. Human. Um, and 100%, the way you can spot a so- uh, so, soap opera all right. is in the lighting. Let's be real. And in the general dialogue. like if all every like genre. line is written to be and like some major revelation that's like, pretty you know, like much the TV you know telling card of a soap and opera and if everyone has second, these too, right probably i'm not as well attuned to that as some people are yeah um but the other thing to note too is ev- if everyone's face is like perfectly lit up despite them being in like environments where that makes no sense uh that's like dead giveaway soap opera because mm-hmm. it's just like look at the pretty person isn't the pretty person so pretty? Don't you want to be pretty or with pretty person? Um, so I'm enjoying it, but I 100% admit that it's like a guilty pleasure kind of like, it's just, I like comic books and it's a comic book soap opera. Uh, the reason I bring that up though, is they do have really interesting costume design, which I bring that up because I think it's given me a lot of interesting ideas for cosplays. Oh, um, cool. When the con world comes back around, I absolutely want to finally dive into some cosplay stuff. Um, And I want to try to go straight into the deep end and have like full self-made builds because even if like it's a trash fire, I would much rather wear the trash fire that I put together with my probably sweat and blood uh, than, you know, the something I just paid two grand online to have someone else make for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's speaking of which drew I, I i I could build something for you for two grand if you do have that two grand <laughs> <laughs> i would rather i'd rather pay you two grand to just hover over my shoulder the entire time i build it myself and maybe have it be slightly better than the trash fire i would have made than have you just make it for me look this in state of nebraska what you just stated is contractually binding um so okay, thank cool. you thanks well, Good. So, uh, going back but, to iowa yeah get rich get rich on dogecoin and pay me up uh, but yeah, uh, Tiana is with us now. Um, and Tiana, if you missed out, we're we're doing a little bit of an intro. So we burned some good time and just talking about um, the things that we're currently watching, playing or inspired by. Uh, and this is totally a uh, cheap way to get into the rest of the stuff I wanted to talk about today, especially what Drew was talking about of you're inspired to make costumes because you really dig the show. Um, and for I'll, I'll just get my little one in and then Tiana, I'm going to give it off to you. Uh if you've got Amazon Prime, this it's it's a movie that has shown up from G Kids a couple of times. It came out in like 2018 called Welcome to the Space Show. That mm-hmm. uh it, it, if you've seen some of my my sketchbooks um or any of the zines that I've put out, 
um, the vast majority of my quote unquote stuff are weird creatures based on stains on paper or random shapes. And what Welcome to Space Show is, is like five kids go to a summer camp. And of course, it's anime. It's it, kids, Japanese. They go up into the mountains and lose their rabbit and then they go to space. Um, and then it just goes off the rail from there of it's all about meeting dog people and blobs and and squid folks that need like uh, the most interesting parts of all the background shots of Star Wars stuff mm. are good like are the core pieces of the narrative in in this yeah. like up to and including this gigantic living space train uh, that goes faster than light like it's I dig the hell out of it from a character design perspective and a sweet, this is going to get me making more sketches or just really enjoying it. But it's on, it's back from the, you've got to rent it from four four ninety nine territory to, into prime. So if you've got prime, you can just watch it right now. Um, nice. and, and no telling how, when it's going to go away, but I, I want to push people to go watch that because it's weird as hell and it embraces the weirdness just for the sake of going on a journey through space instead of having a really tight narrative structure. It, yeah. So check that out. That's that's what's inspiring me. And I'll talk about why here once we start getting into actually doing digital illustration or digital artwork in some way. So Tiana, tell you you this is on you. What what do you what are you inspired by right now? What are you watching? Hmm, watching. Um let's see. I'm not watching a lot of the major series people are talking about right now, like WandaVision and stuff like that. Though I do see a lot of spoilers for some reason. Um, I'm not really watching a lot of series that are inspiring me at the moment. Um, you mentioned G Kids, which is interesting because um, I actually um purchased a lot of G Kids films. Um, and recently I bought um it's called Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, and so it's good. A movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. Um, I honestly to I could stand to rewatch it for sure. But um, I recently purchased that movie, and it's amazing. Um, it's story of which is an interesting narrative that we don't hear a lot about is like homelessness um in general especially depicted in like more mediums like animation but homelessness in japan and it's a really like obviously like touching and like, adventurous story full of humor it's really great um and those films in general they could they g kids um i guess uh, they localize a lot of like japanese um, animated movies of course like studio ghibli films and then you have films that are not studio ghibli so like Tokyo godfathers for example and they just continually hit the mark with like amazing films. Um, like before quarantine happened, literally in January last, yep, I guess the last January, my birthday, I went and saw well, a movie called Weathering With You, which is by the same person who directed um, an anime movie called Your Name, which was really, really popular here, especially in the US, which is around the world period. And it was very movie. popular here with the, the CPL staff too. So uh, they, yeah. <laughs> they're also good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw and Weathering so is Weathering With You. That's a really good movie too, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I had saw that one and I'm buying the collector's edition of it as well and it was a really amazing movie just like gorgeous animation like amazing story and um, I really find that those movies that G Kids offers and localizes are just really influential as of recently as I've been like watching them have been really influential in my work and just in storytelling in general um, that and they have the Lupin movie that they recently came out with I haven't seen it yet obviously but that everybody's been talking about that in animation as far as like the 3d animation from like a you know very very old 2d animated series to being in 3d now and how like, amazing it looks how they kind of blend real realism and this you know very cartoony 
anime, old, old retro anime style that Lupin is known for. Um, so those things have really been inspiring me for sure. Um, but those, those are kind of like TV media. As far as like currently happening, um, there's an event that goes on, um, mostly on Twitter, but on the internet, it's called Drawing Wall Black. It's a hashtag. And that's actually going on today. Um, and that's been very, very much inspirational for me as a Black creator, obviously. Um, in Black History Month in the year of 2021 and all the broke loose. Um, it's been really awesome seeing all the work that Black creators are doing on the internet. And that's definitely been serving as inspiration for me. Sweet. I love it. So, it, and, and that actually gets me into what I wanted to get us started on for the podcast talk is what got you into wanting to do or needing to do, or what was your pathway into digital art or digital illustration? Because I know, Tiana, you do a lot of character design, a lot of, that's uh, it. I, I, I don't want to minimize it in, in merch type stuff. Um, of illustration you do a lot of illustration and shelby mm -hmm. you're doing uh a lot of graphic design and we as we talked about last time like your your pen-based work mm -hmm. um so feel free to and i'll hop into this later um because you, you you have the notes you got to see my my quite literally like mapped out weirdo chart how i got into it but i want to hear about what got you into doing Photoshop, Illustrator, Procreate, Fire Alpaca, the, the work you're doing now and the digital mediums you're working in, what was your pathway to it? And just hop in there whenever you want to. Yeah, um, mm. I'll go ahead and start. Um, but it actually traces back to high school. Um, I've started out and been doing uh, fine art um, quite literally since I was like seven um i started taking art lessons um with the a family friend of ours um she kind of just ran this really cute art school for kids out of her house um just as kind of a way for her to make money after after retirement and um i knew i had kind of always wanted to be an artist and like pursue that pathway but um one thing that was kind of always stuck in the back of my mind was that starving artist trope of, um, you know, you're only, you're, you're only going to make money based off of commission work, or, you know, you're only as big as people's interest in you, um, and stuff like that. And I don't know, maybe that was instilled in me through like false narrative or something like that. I don't really know, but I did kind of internalize that and I panicked kind of when I got to high school and I was like, well, you know, this is a huge passion of mine. Um, I almost dropped it and studied music. That's a different story for a different day. Equally, probably um, just as much of a starving artist trope, but I digress. Um, I decided in high school, you know, to look farther into the world of graphic design um, as a way to kind of pair, um, you know, that that love that I had for, you know, fine and traditional artwork that I had been growing up doing uh, with something that ultimately had more job security really was probably one of the reasons that I got into, um, you know, the digital space of art and design and stuff like that. I would, I would totally um, credit my fear of not having a job after college as the reason as to why I got into it. Um, so there were a couple classes in high school that I had the opportunity to take 
um, and kind of familiar myself with the big three Adobe products, which were, um, which are Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign, um, which are still the ones that I use the most to this day. Um, and it kind of just took off from there. And I would, here and there, I would pick up little tips on like kind of how I could, you know, match that with, you know, what I was doing in the fine art world and stuff like that, because I still did have people who would come to me and, and be like, hey, um, I want an original drawing, or could you paint this for me? And I was still getting commission work, but it was nearly not enough that was going to be something sustainable, um, you know, after I graduate. Um, so yeah, that was, that's kind of where I would say my career in that, my passion for that kind of started was, it was almost, uh, almost a requirement, I guess you could say, for um, the future of my career. Um, and I ended up luckily just kind of falling in love with, uh, you know, kind of moving back and forth between this very traditional analog art space and um, the digital art and design space and finding new and interesting ways to kind of match those together and take principles from each and kind of create my own new style and inspiration um you know kind of in just the the way that I work and market myself so I would say that that's probably uh probably my story on how I got into it cool um my story is similar in some capacities to Shelby so I guess to start at the very very beginning um I was always really interested in arts and crafts and stuff like that as a kid my mom like very much wanted us to kind of just have that kind of the hobby she didn't really want to get seriously yeah. but, <laughs> um, I was always drawing stuff like that as a kid um and I just always had kind of like a love for it like you know just stealing markers and crayons and drawing on like construction paper and stuff like that mm. um but it wasn't until uh well let's say I grew up a major influence on in my artwork is anime manga and stuff like that and I kind of grew up watching that because I grew up like many kids unsupervised watching cartoons and like Toonami and stuff like that adults when that shouldn't have been watching and um that very much influenced like my interest in anime but it wasn't until was it middle school I think um or sometime later in elementary school yeah no it was elementary school that I actually got my first like manga series and it kind of like opened my whole my eyes to uh like this whole storytelling and the comics and kind of art like rather than seeing the stuff on tv I was able to kind of hold it in my hand and of course from there I started like oh this, this art is so cool like copying these drawings stuff like that and like no I really love that but it was so like limiting I feel like any artist who who many who start out like when they're younger kind of copying and tracing stuff like that mm -hmm. you kind of realize how limiting this can be and you want to express and explore more and from there I started wanting to develop my own stuff. And I was kind of like drawing, you know, kind of having fun and doing like, you know, I like this. This is, this, this is my thing. But I wanted to grow. I want to create better work. And my, um, like I'm self-taught, I guess I would say, but no artist like is like truly self-taught. Obviously you don't just like, like just learn, like no, just from nothing, I guess. Right. Um, I ended up using, I didn't have any sort of like teaching or anything formal like that. I ended up in like, I went to school, got a, a laptop, which right now it's like, oh, laptop, duh, but it must have been a big deal back then <laughs> because I ended up getting a laptop and um, I started looking at YouTube videos on like how to draw manga. So that's kind of what I started looking into. Um, and I found one by, or many, by an artist named Mark Crilly who had a lot of tutorials, stuff like that. 
I don't know if that's really hold up now, so I'm not gonna try to sit here and like, um, you know, boost him or anything. <laughs> but um, it was definitely formative in my like foundations of learning how to draw. You know, as far as like, you know, all the stuff like draw circles, you draw, draw people, you know, make the whole like sketches and stuff like that first. It was definitely formative in my drawing, and that would just kind of start out with me like, you know, pencil drawing stuff like that, and then from there, um, I started. To- kind of explore more when I joined social media and sometime in middle school probably I started kind of connecting with more people who you know draw manga and anime art and stuff like that and from there I started to find you know oh you should use these materials like Copic markers certain paper certain like erasers this is what actual manga artists use you should buy this you should buy that and like that definitely informed my traditional mixed media methods which were like markers colored pencils ink um just like all that kind of mixed media um, or dry media material for the most part that informed that for sure. And that's kind of how I started out my career. Um, my first ever commission I had gotten in high school was like a whole eight and a half by 11 illustration done fully like colored pencil marker and everything for like 10 bucks, which is honestly highway robbery. Um, honestly, <laughs> I'm cringing now to thinking about that. Um, but go back it and was ask my- for dividends on that one. <laughs> I know um I still have it so I'm like that was a good part let's have to keep it I got to keep the original and at that point I had somewhat discovered like scanning so I was able to scan it give them a print and then keep the thing myself which I don't know if that was fair but I mean it was only 10 bucks so whatever <laughs> anyway um that kind of started out my traditional like understanding and methods and as I continued with my interest in um manga and anime and stuff like that obviously these things are in animation you know exist in digitally so I'm like, I always saw that. I was kind of wondering, like, huh, I wonder if people do that. It wasn't until I actually got into, like, manga creation, started doing Facebook groups and stuff like that, that people were like, oh, yeah, like, if you want to um, clean up your manga panels or manga pages, you have to um, take them into Photoshop and do whatever. And I'm like, Photoshop? Like, what do I do all that for? I thought I was supposed to draw by hand and stuff. And, like, obviously there's more, there's more digital methods involved in traditional art um, as far as like books, graphic novels, stuff like that, then people would care to admit. But um, that's kind of why I started learning about these programs and like a tablet, which I didn't even know that existed. Like, what is even a tablet? I was like 14, like, I don't know anything about that. So I'm kind of looking into that more and like asking people for recommendations. I ended up getting this really cheap bootleg, um, well, I would say bootleg. I got this, oops, I got this really cheap like tablet um, off Amazon. And that was that. And then my family's really slow laptop computer and what I kind of used to start creating. Um, and I used that for some years. It was really rough trying to get used to digital art. Um, I got what was supposed to be clip or not clip pseudo paint, actually paint tool sci. If you know digital artists are familiar with paint tool sci, it's like mm-hmm. a Japanese art drawing software program. I definitely got the bootleg version. I definitely found a link to it through some sort of YouTube video and got it downloaded for free and I was using that um and then because I mean I'm in high school I didn't have money like that so I wasn't really buying a lot of programs stuff like that but um statue of states already passed so I guess <laughs> but um I kind of started out with that and then I you know kept doing research kept creating more and more um and I kind of learned about different software different programs people use um and you know eventually I got like a little summer job or something like that in high school or no college, I believe. Yeah, college. I was actually able to buy myself like a nicer uh, pen tablet. So, you know, sort of touchscreen situation. Um, They'll definitely more at my speed. And I was able to do that. And that's kind of what definitely 
brought my career forward as far as being able to create work um, more easily, more quickly. And that is that point in my career, not close to where I am now. Um, I was able to continue to like grow my um, art, I guess grow the breadth of art I could create. Um, I was able to kind of like study more from like internet kind of, that's kind of where all my stuff, a lot of my learning comes from is like the internet. I didn't have like, my school did not have software or anything, any sort of capabilities to offer digital art and learning in any capacity. Um, I went to OPS schools and while I had a good time there, um, as far as education and as far as materials and access, it was very subpar in comparison to a lot of surrounding uh, school systems in Nebraska. So all the learning and art creation that I had was just purely from my own like, curiosity and being self-taught. Um, but after that, after high school, um, kind of where I'm now in college, I am like creating and constantly being inspired by like communities of people that surround me, both in physical proximity, as far as like local artists, but uh, especially like digital and virtually and social media. There's so many groups of like, artists and so many great creators on the internet that exist that serve to inspire my work. And I definitely say that the internet and anime and like, conventions like that and you know, selling stuff at cons, all that stuff has definitely inspired my work and prompted my creation of like my online store, um, the style of art I do now, the stuff I do with character design and the storytelling, like all of that is definitely informed by anime. Like I can't separate that at all. Um, and inspired by this style of art in the communities that have continued to curate and create what is known, especially in the Western world, as like anime. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I dig it. Yeah, and and you're you're both uh, at least uh, more than a little bit younger than me. I, now, I what I like is there's from my growing up and getting into art, and then later getting into digital art in the early two thousands, early early mid two thousands to now there's a lot of it that maps over where uh I, I i didn't have my own computer until freshman year of college never had one at the family and got really lucky that there was any access at high school level for any computer um and once i did and once had access to software and there was that that web service to kind of like um watch videos and learn from other people it just kind of took off from there so a a lot of what you're saying about it's finding that first interest in traditional art and then getting the tech access in some way and support from people around you was such a big transition for me and it sounds like for for you you y'all as well of Mm -hmm the instant you've got that like uh, pool of people that can get you where you, where you're kind of interested in it, it it's, it's going to the moon. Um, and it, it makes me really happy to kind of like share that experience with y'all. Uh, Cause yeah, that for, for me and I'll, I'll keep mine short is I always liked comic books uh, and I liked copying comic books and tracing them and especially teenage mutant Ninja turtles Mm-hmm. Uh, my brothers yeah. would my brothers would draw my two older brothers that by their older older like 12 and 13 years older than me so they were in college when i was a kid um they would draw them and then i would trace them and then ask them how they did it uh and then uh, at one point in time i was just like you're not good enough i need to make my own so 
that was my like <laughs> I'm leaping off point. It's like they're not I I want to draw more stuff like Aliens and Predator and um all the weird horror movies that my dad had rented on VHS. Like that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um so and to this day I still keep I draw a t- on literally every scrap of paper around me at any point in time, especially during all these um I want to say semi-worthless Zoom meetings that we've got to be at a, a lot all the time. <laughs> um I, I've done more sketching and drawing during those um, than probably the year before the pandemic. It, they, they've been they've been a godsend to getting back into sketching. Um, yeah, there's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But for me, the digital transition happened when exactly what you were talking about, Shelby, was I need to find a very practical way to pick up the speed of what I'm doing and the accessibility of my artwork to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause, cause I got very, very lucky in getting to do a conservatory track at a private art school right after, right after high school, um, most expensive one year I've, I've ever spent in my life and I will literally never pay it off, but <laughs> the best art, like traditional artistic training I have ever received mm-hmm. in my entire life being surrounded by the most competitive artists in the country also the richest kids in the friggin' world were there. I and mean, that's why I didn't fit in at all, but they like that put me in a position of, okay, if I really want to do my nine heads, tall fashion drawing or my costume designs for large shows and put out character designs for these weird indie comics, I'm really interested in or, or, or for contests, I have to transition those skills and that look into a digital space. So trying to figure out how to do gouache and watercolor digitally in a bootleg copy. And this was expi- like exclusively a cracked copy of Adobe Photoshop CS6 and CS5 Wow! Um, <laughs> on a laptop and tower that was cobbled together from parts from the Goodwill Good Bite store. Nice. Oh man. It's, it's just like, I, I, I feel like a working class fighter for digital art, but yeah. um, <laughs> that, that, that really forced me to be like that fear, that hunger, that need to push past and push faster was, was really forced me to do the digital stuff almost by necessity, but having that good background in traditional practice of physical analog practice I, I feel gave me a leg up on a lot of the people that were around me having been digital natives or always had that tech access of the, the weird creative necessity of transitioning a lot of it to myself. I attribute a lot of my professional success and portfolio success to um, that in seeing your, uh, your two's work, I, I, I can, I, I can see a lot of that now that I'm listening to you talk about your pathway to it. So Hey, uh, Charles, quick question for you. Hit me. All right. Which is the best Ninja Turtle and why is it Donatello? Uh, The correct answer is always Donatello because he's the smart one. Oh, hey, actually agreed with me. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would have to disagree with that, but. Well, that's that's okay. okay. We've got a six foot bow staff to hit you with if you disagree with Donatello. (laughs) That's true. Otherwise known as why I got sent to the principal in fifth grade. Oh, Oh, (laughs) what? Well, oh yeah, because I didn't get a bow staff. It's it's just a stick from a tree. It's like, look, you're gonna make nunchucks from the things around you. Hell no, I've got ready-made weapons because I'm the Donatello one on the park, and I'm just gonna like spin it around and hit a kid. <laughs> also, um, yeah, I I liked it because especially from the 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 episodes where they were at in the early '90s, 
um, they presented him as a technologically proficient nerd and less about the fighting. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated that as the exceedingly non-athletic um, chubby kid in elementary school uh, who who just wanted to learn about technology and science and stuff. And got mm-hmm. picked. I was like, that's that's my boy right there. That's Madonna Tello. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably why they resonated with me as well. Um, I was a Raphael stan, but uh, only because I embodied so much teen angst. Oh, oh, see, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's Raphael. I was so angry growing up, and I was just like, yes, become this, you know, because he had that, uh, oh, what was his, what was his, um, he used a size. Yeah, but what was his, um, he had like a, shoot, now I don't even remember. He had this, like, um, what, he was almost like a Batman kind of character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause, yeah, he would like go fight crime, like on his own. Yeah, he and Gacy Jones would literally just go beat people to death in the comics. Yeah. Uh, Like you do. (laughs) Okay. As you do. And I was like, dang, if only that was not illegal, you know? (laughs) I went I went to a therapist very shortly after that. So but that was not illegal. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up watching some of the Minotaur cartoons in the two thousands on like like Saturday morning for kids TV. And I don't remember having a favorite one from that series. I like, still remember the theme song though, but like as far <laughs> as the most recent, the rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon of Nicktoons and Nickelodeon, I would say that my favorite, these ones actually give them a much more unique designs and much more unique personalities. And it's also like, kind of flipped some of the original play where like now Raphael is the leader of the Ninja Turtles because he's the oldest. It's really interesting. And it's honestly like, you should got you guys should watch that if you can. it's not really on regular channels on Nicktoons, so it's kind of weird. Um, but that's an amazing animated series. Just the yeah. animation the, itself is beautiful, the storytelling. But I say and, my favorite one would be I don't know. I guess I'd say Raphael, I think. Yeah. Wow, we, we got an even split. Even split. I like the, well, you got to Charles and I who the nerdiest like, white boys you could possibly yeah, think the of. The nerdy kids that had no aspirations of uh, athleticism and decided to just proceed then through the science. And then you have, you know, the 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 angst and the power on the other side. You have yeah. me and Shelby, we're B gay prime, you know. Oh, I'm loving it. It was yeah, <laughs> it was that uh it was that closeted that closeted anger that I definitely embodied <laughs> and I was like, oh Raphael. This this is uh, this is the best podcast segment we've ever recorded. So yeah, uh, miss um, me, miss me with that astrological sign and just tell me what what's your what teenage mutant ninja turtle are you and why? Exactly. Is that not how you start every Tinder like swipe? You ever get that match? And you just Screw open the up zodiac. Which the zodiac. of the ninja turtles are you? If, if if he can't answer that question, he's too young for you. I don't need your um, moon rising. I need your favorite ninja turtle. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Creative Production Lab from University of Nebraska at Omaha's Chris Library. I'm your host, Charles Fisher, and we'll see you again soon.